Change the Game. Proudly brought to you by the QCCS Mackay Cutters. Hi everyone, welcome to QCCS Mackay Cutters Change the Game podcast podcast. Uh, today we're talking with uh, new recruit, Cutters recruit, Hiali Roycroft. Uh, this is a key commitment to me, uh, is our title of this one, Hiali. Welcome. Thanks, much. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah, it's good to have you. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're meeting on today, the Yui people of the Kulin Nation, pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging, and their continual connection to uh, land and community. Kiali, uh, I want to learn more about you. So you're a new recruit to Mackay. Um, you've come up here from Norse Devils, uh, your previous club. Um, tell us a bit about your story, your background first, and then we can go from there. Yeah, sure, Mitchie. Uh, so uh, I'll start from the start. Of, um, I'm Samoan in New Zealand, so mum's Samoan and dad's New Zealand, Māori. Uh, mum and her family moved over from Samoa in 1980. So they're, oh no, 1990, sorry. So they're going on to 30, 31 years, yeah, 31. Um, on Christmas Day, I believe. So that's um, their anniversary. So we're gonna have a pretty, um, pretty deep and I guess um, exciting celebration on that day for them. And then my dad moved over from New Zealand in 1980. That's, um, yeah, they moved over to Brisbane, so. Uh, they had, they had, they had six children. Uh, I had two older sisters, but uh, they um, they passed away due to birth. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, birth uh, uh, issues. So uh, my sisters, they were twins. So I had um, Terahea mm -hmm. um, and Lamanamea. And my parents, being pretty creative at that young age, uh, tender age when they were born in '95, um, I think Mum was probably 19 and Dad was 17 at the time. Uh, they created my name from my two sisters. So at the end of Tedahair was HIA, and then Lamanamea had LE, so they created Yali. Oh, um, wow. And I was yeah, born two years later in 97. Uh, and I've got two younger brothers. One's uh, 23, he was born in 98, uh, Tyrone, and then a little brother who's uh, 12. Uh, he goes away, will stay high, and then a sister as well, who's uh, she just graduated this year. She turns 18 next year. So. Yeah, a bit of age gaps and a bit of age differences, but uh, they look at me as the older brother. But you know, we still—I've got my older sisters who mm -hmm. I carry around with me every day, and they're a part of me. So, uh, yeah, that's a bit of an expansion on just me as a person and where I was born and where I've been raised. Um, me and my family were uh, based in Brisbane most of our lives. So, uh, I was—it um, was me and my little brother who were raised the majority of the time until my sister was born. So, um, during that period of time. Uh, my family, uh, my parents, um, they, uh, they had some, obviously had children young mm -hmm. um, and had their own little, you know, experiences and challenges with that. Um, Dad was the only working, um, working member of the household, so mum looked after us and took us to school and everything like that. So uh, I hope my parents are all right with this, but <laughs> they usually just, uh, you know, we, we lived um, pay week to pay week type thing. So. Um, as a young kid, we kind of picked up on that um, quite early. You know, there'll be days where uh, Dad will get paid, and then he'd be like, "Oh, we'll go to Hungry Jacks. You know, we'll, we'll go. Um, you know, go and get some, get like a big uh, what's it called? Um, uh, I think they were called Whopper meals at the time. Mm -hmm. and I was like seven or eight, and I was like, oh, "How good is this?" So um, those experiences of that, and then seeing kind of like the 
not the low points, but the challenging points of my family where like my parents were, you know, would be just getting just bread and butter and some fish and chips just to get through some day. So um, I think on those experiences I draw from, like, you know, make me as a person today, just being humble and, and grateful for that. So um, my brother can also draw on that too. So we had that experience quite young and then um, uh, we got to about uh, what age, probably six, and um, I actually started playing rugby union first uh, before um, doing anything with, uh, with the rugby league. Uh, I had a, um, a bunch of uncles on my mum's side who enjoyed rugby union, and uh, they they always said that rugby league wasn't um, you know the sport to play. Uh, you have to come and play the gentleman's sport, is what they called it. So um, I had my first year there, and then. I don't know, I was quite lazy as a kid. I just didn't want to play any footy. I was one of those ones that would go to a footy game. Uh, my parents would take me and then I'd end up in the tree playing with the other kids playing Tiggy and stuff. So um, I, I quit, I like, I didn't quit. I was still young, but mum and dad just said, oh, what's the point of paying fees when you're going to just be playing around in the trees and stuff? <laughs> so they took me out and I didn't play footy until probably I was 10 or 11. And that was at school and that was rugby league where I started. So. Um, Mum and dad thought that it would be something to get me off um, the video games at the time because I was playing a bit of PS2, you know. What were you playing? Uh, I was playing a bit of Call of Duty, um, very first ones, and a bit of Medal of Honor. Yeah. I think that was the games back then. And there was Halo as well on Xbox. So me all and my brother. shooting games. Yeah, yeah, all first-person shooter type stuff. So me and my brother would have little co-op missions and things like that on that. So yeah, <laughs> good little... Um, we've all pretty much been there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, a bit of a childhood experience. And then... Mum and dad were pretty sick of it, so they were like, all right, let's get you back outside and, and playing some sport and interacting with kids. So uh, they took me down to Valleys, Diehards, uh, which are based in Brisbane, a club with a pretty uh, pretty rich history of um, you know great players like Wally Lewis that have gone through there and everything like that. So I started my junior footy there. Uh, and then I played probably two years there. Uh, and then... Um, I got pretty good at footy at rugby league during that time. So mum and dad thought that the best, uh, best pathway to obviously expanding on those experiences with footy, but also, you know, creating good friendships with the, with the kids that were in the teams was uh, Aspley Devils. Uh, so I moved from Valleys to there. And then at about 12 or 13, I'd, make, I'd made some Metropolitan North team, like school-based teams. Um, I think they were the representative sites then. So uh, from there, I played really good footy and continued on, and then I was uh, scouted with the Brisbane um, Elite Program, our development program, which was like a talent squad um, in the Brisbane North region at the time. So that was about 13, and uh, uh, that was um, that was a pretty hectic experience as a kid. I think uh, what I gathered from that, and thinking back on it at this time, um, it was pretty. I think it was in awe of the moment when you kind of get you know, contacted by, like, you know, a, uh, a scouting officer with an NRL club at the time. So um, what, they... What NRL club? Uh, Brisbane Broncos were the club. So they, I think Simon, Simon Scanlon was the uh, scouting officer then. He was based in the Brisbane North region and had watched a couple of games and then they contacted my parents. So mm -hmm. um, I ended up in that program and um, trained, I think we trained like five times a year. Uh, there was no... Like it was just a bunch of boys that would um, get like you know a shirt and shorts and you was know it Broncos shirt and shorts. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like um, it was like a specific uniform for the skip for like the talent squad. So it wasn't like official training kit, but you know as soon as you kind of like 
get that kid and as a kid like when you're 13 and you, you're wearing that insignia and like you know that left side of your chest you're just like wow how good is this mm. um and then from there there was a few of us from my club as well that were in it so we we were the ones that would go to training on like with our club um on a thursday after a tuesday at the talent squad and we'll be wearing our kit and we haven't washed it <laughs> yeah so um, I think that was just the experience we had of just how, you know, excited we were of the opportunity that was there. And a lot of us kids, obviously, like with the challenges and experiences that I had with my family and a lot of the boys as well, like coming from, um, you know, Polynesian backgrounds and within that area, like, you know, we, we drew on that to make our parents proud by doing that stuff. So um, one thing led to another after the scouting um, program that I was a part of, and I ended up with a... Um, I think it was like a junior development contract. So like that that 13 to 14 age um, period, like I ended up getting a, a junior development uh, contract, which they give to young players who they feel like, you know, can transition really well to senior footy or well under 20s, I think, believe at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and they obviously want to keep them kind of under their, you know, under their scope of seeing how they develop. So I had that contract when I was 14. And when I got that, um i i thought it was like on top of the world hey like it was just like this little contract with your name on it and it had like i think um i think i had a thousand dollars that that came through on that contract like that was going to be transferred into my parents account obviously at the time but i was like oh how good like that's money mm. you know and i'm only 14 and i'm earning that and i'm giving that to my parents so i think um that really drew on my experience with foot, like full footy was that Hey, this is something I'm really good at. Let's see where we can go with this here. And um, I don't think um, that really challenged me at that time because I was obviously in high school and there was a lot of us that were obviously getting these development contracts all across um, Southeast Queensland at the time. So there was a few boys from Gold Coast who, who were on those as well and a few from Sunshine Coast, Bundaberg even as well. And I think, um, I think one of the boys as well, Caelan Ponga, um, was travelling from here, actually. He was living in Mackay at the time. He was coming down to our talent squad programs as well. Like, once every month, we would we'd up the training from five sessions to ten sessions uh, a year. And then we'd have a camp in December. Mm -hmm. So we had, like, a really talented squad at the time, like Keegan Hepgrave, Michael Moller, who's obviously down at the Dragons at the moment on a, um, on a development deal. Like, we had... Who else did we have? Uh, we had um, a couple of other really really talented young boys through that program so i think being a part of that as well like that's such a tender age of 14 you just think like how good is this like i'm gonna be playing nrl when i'm like 16 17 that's what you think when you're that young so um Lee. what were the um so memories of those sessions um what were you doing uh it was a lot of basic skill type um type approach so a lot of the catch and pass that we obviously do with our junior squads here and what we're trying to develop at a young age um so foundation of, skills yeah a lot of foundation skills a lot of technique um like um tackle technique a lot of focus just on one-on-one -on -one contact that um type stuff uh we did we did a bit of the conditioning stuff that some of the um under 20s or nrl program would be doing at the time so the broncos test that we do here we we would do one session a year of that just to see where, like, you know, if... Get a taste of it. Yeah, get a taste of that and um, see what those boys did. And um, as we got older, I think around the 16, 17 mark, um, there was a time where a few of us, I think it was me and Jen Sua, 
who's uh, he's with the Dragon St. George Illawarra Dragons now. We we had a chance to train with the t with the 20s um, at the time. So those sessions really was an experience to you know realize how uh, how tough those sessions would be with like players that were like two three years older and just the experience of it and being and being involved with it directly and knowing what you needed to do to be consistent in that effort in that team and that squad so we had those experiences young but yeah a lot of the talent program stuff was a lot of foundations a lot of speed work as well a lot of just technique around just our uh just around um doing sprints and, and just technique um a bit of agility so a lot of the focus was around that and just um we had a lot of educational classes as well just around diet uh around player well-being and also i think we did a bit of like community work as well um, during that period of time, yeah. just to get yeah. a lot. Yeah, we did a bit like obviously with the sessions we had, it was it was kind of hard to fit in because, you know, people were traveling from all, all around Southeast Queensland, like Caelan was traveling from here. So they had to book him flights and he would miss a session every now and then because of the cost of the flights and things like that. So when you compact that all into one session in a month, it ends up being like you would start at five and I think we'd finish like eight, eight thirty. Yeah, so and we were like 14, 15 at the time and trying to fit in schoolwork and then also like balance our like local club training. And, and school as yeah, well. Yeah, school as well. So I think... Um, talk, I'll, talk, I'll, talk me through that a little bit more. So your school um, was... Yeah, I was at... Um, sorry, I was at Wavell Heights. So I went to Wavell State High School from year 8 till grade... end of grade 10. And then I... Um, I ended up moving to another high school, which is St. Joseph's College, Gregory Terrace, uh, for grade 11 to 12. Why, why was that? Uh, I was moving there to play rugby union. I was going on a, on a scholarship there to play, yeah, um, first 15. Uh, there was a, they, they moved me over because I was also doing well at school. I was pretty, uh, pretty committed to my schoolwork during that period of time, and I was coming up with some really good results, so um, St. Joseph's obviously approached my parents during I think one of the league games that I played and said I oh, would love to have him at um at Terrace. So you weren't playing union local, uh, for a local club? No, no, I wasn't playing any union. No, so it was all kind of just based off what I was doing in league. Right. Um, so how'd you balance all that? How'd you balance local league, um, academy, and union at school? Uh, it was pretty challenging. Like my parents found it really hard. Uh, I'd obviously have like the talent squads were once a month and then junior um, footy training was like twice a week with the game on the weekends and then school footy as well we we're doing two sessions a week with a, with the game in term three so like term two and term one were training day so we'll do two sessions a week so all up I was probably at training from Monday through to Friday and then a game on a Sunday or a Friday night so a lot of like a lot of that was pretty tough on my, my parents especially and my brother as well who had to obviously come with me to all my training sessions if I ever had to catch a bus because mum and dad were like, you're not going by yourself, mm. you know. So um, it was pretty taxing, I think, yeah. Um, I want to quickly go back to your name. Um, Hiali, have you met anyone else with the same first name? No, no, I haven't. I've actually um, had a look on Google, type my name in to see if anyone's got the same name. But um, yeah, pretty lucky with that. Like my parents are yeah, obviously young and, you know, wanted to have some, you know, remembrance of my sisters uh, in some way. So 
um, very, very humbled and grateful to have that part, like, you know, to be that, you know, that sole remembrance of my sisters and being a part of that. Um, uh, we celebrate every year their birthday, uh, which is the 15th or the 11th. Um, we always get together and we always just, um, you know, just celebrate their, their life, even though it was so short, but, you know, it's still something that's really deep with us as a family and my mum's family as well, all, and my dad's as well. They all get together as well when we have time to, you know, celebrate them. But, yeah, it's a, a pretty meaningful thing to me to have that kind of specialty because a lot of people think my name's like, you know, culture um, or related to culture or like Samoan or New Zealand. They're like, oh, is, is your name like Samoan? I'm like, oh, depends how you look at it. Mm. It's a variety of things. So, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, it's special. Yeah, special to me for sure. Mm. Yeah. Um, so what's your first impressions, Makai? Uh, hot. <laughs> uh, though it's, um, I've been here a couple of times for some junior um, carnivals and things like that. Um, I think 2013. Oh, I, I came and played a trial game here for the under-20s, but uh, uh, it's, it's been a really good experience so far. I've been up here for the past five weeks. Um, I've really got to know the town quite well. I, like when I have time off from training, I'll go for a walk and just get to go see different places. Like I've been out to, oh, I can't pronounce it, I think, I've been, Imeo or Imeo? Imeo, yeah. yeah. I went out there last week on the weekend just to have a look at the beach. because yeah, pretty everyone, nice. Yeah, it is, hey, yeah. Didn't realize have you been to Yungle yet? National no, Park? No, I haven't. Finchatton? No, I haven't been there, but I've heard lots of good things about it. Like actually, um, I think one of the boys was, um, I think Holmesy was saying that they're pretty good spots and, and Brocky as well, so. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably next on the tick list to go down. Um, and obviously there's like Bowen and, and Airlie only a couple of hours away. So yeah. Cape, Cape Hillsborough and yeah, mm. there's plenty. So yeah, get out amongst it and, and check, check it all out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Are you north of the river or south of the river? Uh, oh, logistically, I'm pretty sure I'm north. Oh no, south of the river. South. I'm in West Mackay, yeah, so yeah, south. south of the river. Still learning that logistics side of Mackay, so yeah, on the on the south side. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, so you've bounced around a couple of different Q Cup clubs. Um, so take me through that journey. Um, you've played, uh, well, you've been recruited from Norse Devils, but mm -hmm. you've also been uh, Redcliffe. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, um, so I was brought up as a Norse Devils junior. So I went through the Cyril Connell and Malmaninka Cups there and the Colts program. Um, and that was in 2014, 15. Uh, and then I played, I debuted at 18. Um, uh, I made an interesting cup debut against South Lake and for Norse. Uh, and that was a pretty hectic experience. I started and I was playing prop, but I was like 91 or 92 kilos. Yeah. Um, I was playing with like, uh, I think, I think it was Chris Faust. I think he played here. Like, I think he was a junior or he had been up here before and played for the Cutters. So he, me and him were partnering in the, <laughs> against like Sam Tungateezy and yeah, all those type of boys. So you remember who you were against? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Tungateezy, who else was playing then? I think, um, no, we hadn't got, they hadn't got Jermaine up there yet, Jermaine Asako. I think, um, I think Corey Oates was having a run around then too. So uh, Tro uh, Troy Waddell, mm -hmm. oh yeah, he was having a run. He, he was in the Broncos squad at the time and we'll, we played against them and Jeez, the, the experience of that, like the first 15, 20 minutes, I felt like I was just they get, Were they getting India? Yeah, they, they were, come? yeah. <laughs> they were throwing some chat across the park quite quickly, actually, like, you know, being the youngest on the on the squad. And Do then, you remember some of the things I was saying? 
Yeah, they were saying some things, and I probably won't say it on here, but <laughs> <laughs> they definitely were calling me out, that's for sure. And, yeah. and like, you don't know what to say because you're just so young. You just can't respond. And I was like, geez, they're really targeting me here. <laughs> and um, there was a couple of games too where I played. Um, I think we played against Ipswich Jets and Billy McConaughey. Uh, he was um, playing then, and he had ju- before he just moved down to West Tigers, I think, on an NRL deal, and he was killing it during that year. Um, I took a carry. It was a, quite a slow play of the ball, and I was like, oh, I might get lined up here, but we'll just take the medicine and we'll just cop it. But Billy just lined me up, and I think he hit me just right under the rib cage, and I, like, it was probably, like, a good five to ten seconds where I was just blacked out, but I was playing the ball, and I was just like... Oh, yeah, what? yeah, held onto it. Yeah, held onto the ball. I got absolutely whacked, and um, I was, like, thinking at the time, I was like, why am I playing this? <laughs> <laughs> why, why am I running around with these guys with, like, 18, like, 90 kilos, and this dude's just blindsiding me and having fun, just whacking me around, so... Yeah, it was it was an experience for sure um, at that age, um, playing for Norse and we played Blackhawks and we we're getting touched up a lot actually. We were losing like by During fifty. Yeah, yeah. We had a young squad and there was a bit of um, um, a lot of squad changes during that period of time, and a lot of Colts boys were coming up to fill in because there was injuries and things like that. So um, we went up to Townsville and we got like Neville Costigan and uh, who else was playing then? Jeez. There was a fair few NRL boys, like I think Justin O'Neill was playing, um, Carl Felt, mm. were having a run around during that period of time and we were just getting touched up, like 50, 60 to 6. And um, I was just like, wow, this is what Q Cup's like. We, we get pumped every week. So had that experience quite young. And then um, I moved to the under-20s Cowboys 2016, 2017 season. Uh, and that was that was a really good time. Uh, I'd been at the Broncos obviously all through my junior years, all the way up to 2015. But um, just due to the roster and just um, me having a couple of niggling, like niggling injuries, I, I knew that probably a change was on the cards because I was kind of off the cusp mm-hmm. of playing under 20s, even though I debuted in 2015 for that too. Uh, so my manager at the time, Paul Sutton, he uh, got in touch with Clint Zammett. He was a recruitment officer at the Cowboys at the time. Um, and he, uh, they transferred me up there April of 2016. So I'd been up there for two weeks and then debuted for under 20s uh, for the Cowboys there and then played the entire season um, of under 20s in 2016 and then half the season in 2017 before doing my ACL in the Origin under 20s game. So, yeah, take us before that um, injury to your transition to North Queensland Cowboys what was your experience like who was your coach Um, who was in your team yeah what was the culture like Uh, I had Aaron Payne as my coach Um, and then um, we had um, I think uh, Michael Shepard oh no no we had Pop actually yeah Pop was our um, assistant coach who was the coach here at the time Um, IC coach during 2017-2018 I think Um, so they were our coaching staff and then we had um it was a development coach, I can't remember. Oh, Ash. Um, he played NRL, so he was Ash our um, conditioning. Graham. Yeah, Ash Graham, yeah. He was our strength and conditioning coach. So he had a really good staff, you know, a lot of experience there NRL-wise. And um, in the squad, we had a really good team. We had Colin Hess, who was playing, obviously, ISC, but coming back and playing 20s during the 2016 season. Uh, we had Callum Ponga, Brendan Smith, uh, um, Del Shonig. Else. Uh, we had Ross Beller as well, obviously a captain here. He, he played um, 
all that 2016 season. So we had a really experienced squad. Uh, and then obviously me transitioning and moving up there, it was really easy to transition into. Um, they were short stock on second rolls and my preferred position back then was back roll. So um, I was lucky to get a shot quite early and play pretty much the entire season there. But um, it, was a, it was a tough transition, I think personally, uh, my family obviously all being based in Brisbane, they didn't make the move up to Townsville. So I moved up there and I stayed. Um, first time being away. Yeah, first time being away from home. Um, I moved away and then uh, obviously they put me up in a, a homestay. I was living with um, Patrick Alfisi and his partner um, at the time, which was, you know, it was really settling because obviously Patrick had moved from home as well. He, his family's based in Bundaberg and um, he had been up there for a couple of years with Felice. So he had a real solid um, foundation there. And, um, he was really great during that period of time of supporting me and, and just helping me with the transition. And I think um, that culture aspect, even though we're, we're different nationalities, he's Tongan and I'm Samoan, we, we still had this kind of same values. Mm -hmm. um, so that really helped with the transition. But I, I did still struggle for quite a while. Um, my partner at the time would travel up every now and then. My dad would drive up just to help out a bit as well. So um, yeah, that, that balance was, was kind of up in the air. Um, so at times, like if I didn't have a good game during that 20 season, especially the 2016 season, um, I'd really struggle with handling that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to kind of like, I guess, communicate that with Patrick, who obviously had his, um, you know, his own um, injury experiences at that time in that year. I think he had done his knee, um, oh no, his ankle um, during that period. So his partner was helping him with that. And, and I think when I have those type of experiences, I kind of withdraw from everyone. So uh, my parents and my, and my partner at the time really realized that. Um, so they'll come up and just see me quite often and everything like that. And I didn't know how to communicate that with like, you know, people in like Patrick or even the coaching staff or anything like that. So I struggled a bit in that 2016 season, yeah. um, just balancing, you know, the, the, the struggle with not having family around and then the pressure um, obviously, um, in Townsville, the under twenties at the time, like, and I think this is the reason why obviously the competition's gone, um, is like, you have these, your own thoughts about the expectations of playing for an NRL club, even though it's like, I think at the time they had it in tiers, which was NRL, ISC, and then under twenties. But because when you're representing that and you have that kind of insignia and that, that feel of being at that, that NRL club at such a young age, um, you're fully committed to making sure that you do everything right. And then if something goes wrong, it's like end of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I really struggled with that in 2016. Like if I had a bad game, I'd just be like, oh, like this, this sucks. Like what, like, am I even doing it right? Why am I here? And like, if, like if um, Penny knew I had a bad game, like he would tell me and then I'd be like, oh, I, I suck. Like I, I'm not good at this. And I would have like some pretty bad moments where I'll just struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, at the time, was the welfare support built in to the club? Yeah, yeah. So they had Kevin Marty um, at the time, um, and he was supported by uh, uh, one of the um, Aboriginal support officers as well in that um, welfare space, um, Brian. Mm -hmm. um, and they were really good at the time. They, they, they helped out a lot. They assisted the entire NRL and the NYC, um, like NYC squads. Um, but, you know, when there's like 65, 70 players within across those two squads, it's pretty hard to try and, you know, 
I guess the workload can be pretty tough to manage that when you have like, I don't know, like maybe half the squad might be struggling a little bit mentally or emotionally. So, um, and at that time, like me personally, um, I, I'll just kind of take it upon myself and just withdraw. And if anyone just kind of asks me, I'll just be like, oh, I'm fine. Like, you know, yeah. put so, on a brave face. Yeah. Put on a brave face and just kind of hide those emotions, like that, those struggles and just let it let it play in my head and I'll try and sort it out myself and that was what probably wasn't the right thing to do at that time I probably struggled with that a lot but like I at least I knew I had my most closest people which was like you know my family and everyone that knew that I was struggling a bit so they they made efforts to come up but um it probably wasn't until the end of 2016 it really showed I like it started affecting me and my performances like um like quite often and and Aaron Payne he he picked up on it quite um quite well and he said oh look mate you, you're not gonna you're probably not gonna play because I was playing in the final series and then I think it was a game against Dragons where we lost uh and I just wasn't right that game I definitely knew that and he picked up on it and he said oh mate you, you're gonna have to take a break like you you're just not here mentally or emotionally like go go see some family or get your family up here so mum came up straight away she stayed with me for a week because I just wasn't right. Like I, after the game, um, after that particular game, I went back to the hotel and I knew I had a bad game. So I just packed up everything and just ended up going to stay at my, my girlfriend's at the time. And just, I just got that emotional. I just cried all night. Like just knew that I had performed well. And I was just like, I don't know what's going wrong, what's happening or anything so like that. You, you, uh, part of it, yourself putting a lot of pressure on yourself or was other people putting pressure on you or yeah i think i think a lot of the pressure was from myself internally um obviously you know there's also that outside pressure that you know you need to perform well and everything like that but i think the um, goal was to get an nrl contract yeah yeah the goal was to get an nrl contract then we'll have we're having a really good season too we had a really good player so i think um the pressure of performing really well in the final series really added to that and obviously I wasn't really um, contributing to that you know final series like well at all um, with the headspace I was in and, the, and just the way I was playing so I struggled with that and just knew I was letting down everyone so I took that really I took that to heart a lot you know during that period of time so I struggled like immensely during that period so um, at the end of the season, I ended up going home for a good two, three weeks. Took like extended leave from work. I was doing youth justice work at the time. So um, it was really good to get away from there and just kind of be home um, and be around my family and my partner at the time. So uh, that helped immensely for the 2017 prep, which I was still in the under 20 system. So I was like, oh, you know, didn't have a good end to the 2016 season. Let's make it right this time. So. Um, I changed up my approach a little bit with the 2017 preseason and season and really just started doing a little bit of goal. Um, Where were you then? I was still at the Cowboys yeah. at the time. So, so. You hadn't, yeah, so you had another year mm. already signed there. Yeah, yeah. So I signed a two-year contract and then I was there for 2017. So um, I ended up going in there with a bit of a fresh focus around just goal orientation stuff. So what did I want to do for the season? Where did I want to play? And a lot of it was... Um, I guess at the time I'd been writing my own goals were well, a lot of stats driven, a lot of statistical stuff. So 
um, in preseason and probably shouldn't have been even focusing on this stuff, but I was like writing down like... So this is just you yourself doing it personally, you weren't instructed by anyone else to, this is how we want you to set some goals, it was just a personal thing? Yeah, it was just a personal thing. Um, and. Um, I kind of just took it upon myself that like, oh yeah, this is this will get me the NRL contract, or this will get me a good, you know, a good successful season that will lead me to somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of took it upon myself to do that goal orientation stuff. Um, and I'd been watching a couple of. So what's some examples of your goals? Um, so, like, yeah, touching back on it, like in preseason, I was like already thinking stats driven stuff. So I was like, oh, if I'm making a hundred meters a game like that's going to really show on the stats and people will see that like i'm putting in you know good carrier meters and things like that so i was like focusing on that during the preseason when i should have been just focused on getting you know building really good i guess um good pillars of of what to set up for the rest of the year just like in tech like kind of like uh, cultural pillars um but i was already focusing on, on the footy aspect of playing like everything like that so um, during that preseason and the season, like I did really well, like I was able to get through the preseason pretty well, and I started the season really well. Um, and the focus was all just around, like you know, getting 100 meters a game or so you know, out- outcome-focused goals rather than probably process-focused goals. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, yeah, all of the goals that I had during that period of time, and probably all the way through 2018 as well, was all just outcome-focused. Um, there was no process to it. There was no you know, how can I get to this if I use these sort of, you know, skill sets or anything like that, you know, real skill and, focus. And also in the moment, um, you know, being, having a goal within, you know, the, the present. Mm, definitely, yeah. I didn't even think about present goals at the time. I was just like, oh, I just need to hit this every weekend. Or like, I need to make sure I only miss like, you know, 95, like I have 95% efficiency in my tackles. You know, I can't miss too many or else it's just going to look bad. Like it was just all outcomes. There was no present like focus, like um, nothing in my training or nothing in like, like I was like having a lot of takeout still. I was like, oh, just, it is what it is. You train it off and then, you know, on the games, you just got to be focused. So I had like certain parts of it kind of down pat, but probably not the right, you know, process to getting the best results for me as a player. But it worked at the time. So, you know, I went through that season and had a pretty good um, start. And then I ended up getting selected in the um, Origin 20 squad um, that played, um, I think it was game one. Yeah, which was in May of 2017. I played in game one and I was, um, I got I got the starting back row position. Um, and that was like... Was that in Brisbane or Sydney? Or yeah, Brisbane. Yeah. yeah, so we played game um, played before game one in Brisbane um, at Suncorp. And um, that was one of my goals. That, that was... One of the um, main focuses was to make that Origin under 20 squad um, for that game. So uh, when I got selected for that, like it was, you know, I was like, oh, how good is this? This, this is perfect. This sets me up to, you know, getting that NRL deal. Like, um, and my manager at the time had said, like, you know, you're tracking along really well. Like, um, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, but during that that period of time, probably was the most rockiest um, off-field stuff. Yeah. So um, at that time, um, Paul Sutton, he wasn't actually my manager. He was kind of just um, assisting me and kind of guiding me in the, in the right direction. I didn't have at the time. So Paul Sutton was my manager all the way up until 20, 26, 2016, 2015. Um, that's when the contract ended. But he still did, obviously, that he helped me get up to the Cowboys and he was just kind of 
there to kind of guide me in that process um, of around just playing wise and and if there was anything that popped up he would let me know so um, he helped me in that period of time but uh, when I made that origin on the 20s team my me and my family were we're in a little bit of a I guess mind game about like will Paul continue to help me so we kind of panicked we panicked a bit and we ended up kind of um signing with a different manager a different management team who were pretty new on the, on the um new on the block um and um what's it called i signed with them before oh no after the origin game so um they had been in chats with my parents whilst i was getting ready for the for the game and then played the game i got halfway through i think it was like the 50th minute i ended up doing my acl mm-hmm. um and dislocated my kneecap too so i did a bit in that game like with the injury so the same uh, kneecap yeah the same one yeah so i had yeah it was a it was a freak accident one of the boys he swung around in a tackle and he's knocked my leg and it's he's caught me just right on the outside of the knee and it's just completely folded in so um during that time we panicked a bit and i was like oh i need to sign with this manager or else i'm going to have no deals because I'm injured now, I'm not going to be able to showcase anything for the rest of the season or, you know, even if I make a rehab track back, I probably won't be playing until the last round of 2017. So we signed with um, with this manager and then um, we obviously told Paul about me signing. So um, Paul understood, you know, we signed the contract and he, he took a step out um, and then we went through the rehab process um with the cows and stuff and um at the time i think um i was tracking along pretty well to get a development deal i think but obviously with the injury and everything that kind of went through with that and then obviously paul had been really connected with the cowboys at that time um i think with the new management team that we had um they just didn't have the um relationship Mm. so we ended up with um having to look down south um, which was at the Bulldogs at the time and um, we had looked at a development deal down there so I was still rehabbing and then I had that stress on that point about like oh like what to do there so they were managing that and then it got to about September and then um, I think what happened was the deal was getting sorted through Des Hasler um, but obviously that year he he um, he got sacked so the whole process around the development deals got put on hold and um the i think they 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 um cleared out their front office so they put every deal on hold until they could figure out what was going on there so once that happened um that was pretty much all the nrl deals gone like cowboys weren't weren't keen i think at the time because like the injury happened and then obviously that connection with paul was gone so um the best case scenario was probably blackhawks and i was like oh should I stay up here? Probably, I probably should have, but I'll probably go back home. So, um, the management team were able to get some training trial with um, the Gold Coast Titans through Tweed Tweed Heads. Mm-hmm. So that was um, at the end of 2017, and then made the move back home in October. Um, and then I started um, preparing for that. But um, I think the struggles with the injury and obviously with the NRL deals going. Um, I was kind of back in the same position I was at the end of 2016. I was like exhausted Mm -hmm. um, with the whole process of it and just um, knowing that I I hadn't gotten what I got at the end of the year, even though having such a good start to 2017, like, you know, making the origin of the 20s, I was like, this is a really good um, 
really good foundation to really start, um, you know, preparing for NRL. Um, it didn't, it didn't eventuate to that at all. Um, so you're 20 or 21? Yeah, I was 20 at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I just turned 20 in 2017 and then, uh, we, we got to, yeah, the tweet heads and signed the contract deal with the training trial, but I didn't even end up going on, um, doing any, um, training sessions with the Titans cause I was still, um, still struggling with the injury and still coming back. So I was kind of like on a modified preseason in a way when I went to Tweed. So um, I think that threw me off a little bit too. I was like, oh, like I came down here to go on a training trial. But I knew physically I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I should be training NRL. Like I should be there. And I think that's um, that was a lead up to um, kind of, well, the way it was going, taking a step away from the game. So I prepared all the way through Tweed and, I was still a little bit dirty with all the NRL contract stuff, but I was just exhausting myself, just focusing on that and not really thinking in the present moment about focusing on that year with the Tweed Heads Seagulls for 2018 season. So um, it, it showed straight away in round one. We, um, I had a couple of good trial games with Tweed and then we played North Devils in round one. Um, and it's funny that during that time in October, I actually met with North. Um, before signing with Tweed and Rowan Smith was the coach. Um, and Norse had gone through a full revamp of their whole entire system and had clicked like their coaches had left and Rowan had come in. And um, I think the club was like, um, I think the club were going through a full revamp as well through the commercial side and like their, their whole CEO and everything like that. So they got Broncos to assist with that. And um, I was going to sign with Norse, but when Tweed came through with the training trial, I uh, was like, oh, that's, you know, that's good enough for me. I'm going to take that, even though it didn't eventuate to anything. Mm. So I was, I kind of signed myself up there and put myself in a bit of a tough position because I was traveling from Brisbane to Tweed. Yeah. And we, so with your management, were you getting good advice from them? What, were, what role did they play? Uh, they, they were really driven. Like they were committed to trying to find me a deal, but I think they were pretty fresh. Um, so their approach was get in, try and find something straight away. Um, so at the time they had a really good, well, they had connections with Tweed and Gold Coast, um, who, who, um, you know, they were really good during that process of time, like, you know, being able to set up meetings with the, um, the CEO and signing the deals and stuff. Um, but I think, um, it just came down to kind of like the experience and the headspace I was in as well. So, um, I kind of just like accepted anything they kind of brought to the table. Um, without really thinking about what probably was best for me at the time. And I think um, at that time, during that period, probably best to stay in Brisbane and then just go through the North because it was just so close to home. It was a system I knew. It was new and fresh. And it was probably something I could buy into, you know, quite quickly because it was fresh again. You know, I needed that fresh start. I needed, I needed that. But Tweed was also a fresh start as well, but probably not the best you know, logistic plan for me personally because of what had happened over the past two seasons. Mm. So, um, yeah, I went through 2018 season. I got concussed in the first round game and then I got concussed again in the second round. So, um, and I think um, those concussions were leading to just me not being prepared, um, still not physically right for the game and not being Conf confident. Yeah, not confident. I wasn't. I wasn't fit, you know, I had a modified preseason and everything like that. And I wasn't really committed 
um, personally to the whole the whole um, you do, know, do, you think, do you think that was just yourself that knew that, or do you think the people around the team, did your family know as well? Uh, the the team probably knew um, towards maybe halfway through the season when um, you know I was I was taking time away from the game. Um, like the coach at the time, Ben Wolfie was a great coach, um, really good people person. He understood what was going on like personally, but probably not to the extent it was. Um, my family knew as well, and my partner at the time knew what was going on. But um, like during that 2018 season, I just had had enough. Like I just wasn't ready to continue playing at that level. I, like I wasn't physically right. I wasn't emotionally, you know, um, connected with the sport anymore. I was mentally drained and exhausted from the previous seasons. And leading into that, I just had a bad run. Um, and just, I just wanted to quit, but I didn't know how to kind of um, have that conversation quite yet. So um, at the time I was kind of just like, and in that moment, I was just kind of putting band-aids over a bigger wound. Yeah. So I, like my partner at the time, Georgia, she was driving with me down because she just knew I wasn't, you know. So you were, tr you were still living in Brisbane, Brisbane traveling yeah. to the Gold Coast to train and play. Yeah, yeah. So I was working in Brisbane. Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, I just started working at the um, Department of Communities and Child Safety, um, which, um, you know, was a, a role that was draining in itself because I had not experienced that type of work space before, so like social work. Um, so I took that role during that 2018 season as well. So I had the balance of that um, with the footy um, and with the change from moving away from home, coming back home, and all those changes and everything like that in my life. I just hadn't had the right. Did you feel, did you feel like you, um, did you feel like you had failed at all as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like I had failed in that 2017 season and it kind of set me up to be, um, you know, continue to have that mindset all the way through 2018. If I had a bad moment in a training session or a bad moment in a game, I just felt like that was the tone set for the rest of the game or the rest of that of that week or that that training session. And did that transition to work and home? Yeah, it did. Yeah. So um, obviously balancing work with the type of work it was, um, it was very challenging on that mental and emotional um, uh, aspect of life. So, um, you know, we were doing intervention work with families who struggled to look after their children. Um, and doing that work as well as balancing the footy aspect of life and, and, and life itself. I just didn't have a good foundation. So um, I, would, I would have a bad day at work and then that would continue through to my training because I had already set that tone of like, oh, I had, I had a bad day at work. I'm going to have a bad day at training. And then also adding on that, tr that travel of two hours of just thinking that over and over again. I just didn't have... I guess the skills to kind of get me out of that type of, you know, that, um, that struggle. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of set the tone for the rest of the season. And that's how I think I got really exhausted with the season. I just thought, oh, this is it. Like, I don't want to play anymore by like June, July. Um, but I was still playing at the time and still having a run around. So, um, I tried to implement some stuff. Like my partner was coming down with me at the time. Cause like, she was worried. Yeah. She was really worried about my headspace and just me, um, you know, my, my mental health at that time. Um, because, you know, I expressed to her at times where I was like, oh, I just can't do this anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I probably didn't phrase that well because she would she was thinking like, oh, he's done with life. But I was I was still okay in that aspect, but I was just exhausted. I yeah. just didn't know how to express that to obviously the footy club, you know, because I had that um, I had that commitment there to still take part and be a part of that um, of that club and of that of that squad, but. I just knew I wasn't checked in at all. I just didn't have, I didn't have it anymore. I didn't, I didn't want to play anymore, but I didn't want so, to have that conversation. So what, when was the, what was the moment and, and when was it that you um, decided I've got to step away, I've got to step away from my own well-being? Mm. Um, it was probably the get, we played against Burley um, and I didn't have a good game then and um, Ben pulled me aside a couple of days after the game and said, oh, look, mate, you're just going to play A-grade this week. And I was like, oh, it was kind of a sigh of relief in a way because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, all that pressure is finally, you know, subsiding. Like, I'm not playing cup this weekend. Um, maybe A-grade might spring me up to have a bit of fun or just have, like, you know, some drive there to get back into the squad. So it was a bit of a relief um, because I played A-grade for two games after that um and then first time in a long time yeah yeah first time in a long time i played that level of footy and um uh what's it called during that time it was just for fun really so um when i played that first game i was like oh this could be you know it could be you know the changing point to you know wanting to play cup but after those two games i was like nah i don't want to play anymore yeah like i I had good games but i was just like oh and you were about to get a call up or call no 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 there was no chance of a call up i think at all like ben hadn't spoken to me after those couple of weeks either um the a grade were going in the finals and i hadn't played enough games for them to you know be a part of that squad either so once we stopped once that round finished i think it was like in august um the cut team had one or two more games but i wasn't in that 18 man squad were they making finals um, they were pushing for finals, so they had a fair few NRL players like um, Leilani Latu come down. Um, who else do we have? Like AJ Brimson and everything like that. They were playing there, um, so they were pushing for a final spot. But I think they just missed out. So, so you're still training? Um, yeah, I was still kind of training until they got knocked out, and then um, because I wasn't obviously going to be playing A grade. Um, it was a massive pressure lifted off my shoulders after that scene, like season had finished. It just felt, oh, how, how nice is that? It's done. Mm-hmm. So that was in, at the end of August. And um, what about in, so if I can just stop you there, what about within your personal life? Were you um, destructive in any way during that period? Like, did you abuse alcohol at all? Or did you uh, abuse food at all? Uh, yeah, I abused food a bit. Um, I, I've never been a really um, abuser towards alcohol at all. Like I, I'm pretty leveled with that stuff. Um, I had I didn't have my first drink till I was like 18, 19. So I had that kind of set in stone. But like I would just have crappy foods all the time, take out all the time. Um, I'd have late nights a lot. I uh, wouldn't be getting enough rest. So I'll get like four or five hours sleep and things like that. So um, I think that contributed to me as well in how I was preparing for, you know, days um, for training and for work and everything like that. I just get minimal sleep or mm-hmm. um, I'll probably sit on my phone a lot and just scroll as well. Like just those little small habit things that probably contributed a lot because I just did it so consistently. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I didn't do anything too destructive in that aspect, which I'm quite lucky I didn't get into because I feel like if they had, you know, if I'd got on the drink a lot or gambled quite a bit, like, cause, um, um, I started doing that a little bit, but not to the extent that I thought it was a problem. Um, like if I'd gotten into any of those things, I'd definitely be in a bit of trouble or a bit of strife. Um, I'm just thankful that my family had built up this like, um, yeah, these set in stone, like these pillars as Good a person. Values. Yeah, and the values that they set for me that I didn't like go venture down those type of, you know, those dark alleyways of, you know, abusing drugs or, or alcohol or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very lucky, but um, still enough to affect my life to a point where I was like, I was not enjoying the thing that I loved most, which was footy and rugby league. Okay, so some offers would have come for the following season and you just decided no? No, there was no offers. Um, they, like after 2018, there was there was no talk of IC. Um, I know I know Norse um, and at the time, Craig Kennedy, who's the um, Haste Endurance Colts coach here. Mm. Um, he was a part of the um, Colts team when I was like 18, 17 and 2013, 2014. So um, he had spoken to me a bit um, at the end of 2018 and the start of 2019 about coming back. Um, and it's funny that like, at that time I was like, oh yeah, I'll be keen. But I knew, I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not coming back. Like, I don't want to play anymore. Like I just, I had fully, after the season 2018, I just fully just disengaged with footy. Mm. So um, what, what was it like? What'd you do? Um, yeah, I just took on a lot of work. Um, and that probably wasn't the best choice to be honest, cause it was my first year working for the department. Um, and with the type of work it was, I had just become so invested in it. So, um, yeah, obviously intervention work with families and things like that, it can become very taxing. Um, and I didn't have a really good switch to kind of like disengage from work. So that work-life balance wasn't really good either. So I'd go home and I'd just think about work and sometimes I would take my work home and I'd do like 12, 13 hour days. Um, especially in that off season of 2018, 2019, where I just completely stopped. I was like taking my work home and I was like, oh, like I'll just do more work. Um, and then I started like, uh, in a way, like, cause I was still living at home with my little siblings. Um, I'll become very intolerant, um, like short fuse, short fuse. Yeah. Especially. Um, when I was taking and doing the work at home, like my, my brother and sister would want to go and play at the park. Um, and I used to do that quite often with them, but during that period of time, I just completely disengaged from that. Mm. And, um, and it, it became annoying, um, during that period because I was like, no, just leave me alone. Like I need to do work. Um, and, um, and it was pretty bad. I, I knew after one night we, um, we were supposed to go out to go play basketball, which I would do every, like every second or third afternoon with them. But I was doing work and they came and like, oh, you're supposed to take us out yesterday. And I threw some colorful words like at my little sisters and, and brothers. And they were like, my brother's like eight at the time. My sister was 14. And I was just like, geez, like. Was it a bit of a, a moment, like a self-realization uh, moment? Yeah, yeah. A self-realization moment that like, wow, I've like completely forgotten who I was. Like, um, you know, those those values I had set as a person about, you know, being connected with my family and making sure I don't forget about being, you know, um, being the older, brother. yeah, yeah, the role model and the older brother and the older sibling to be there for my little siblings. I just had completely forgot that. And um, 
yeah that moment there when i like i'd gotten so frustrated i threw like some yeah pretty colorful words at my little siblings i was like geez mm. that's not good like i'm working in this department for you know <laughs> working um with children and families and this is the exact thing that you know we want to you know cut out from those families but i just threw those type of words at my little brother and sister and um that was a real realization moment that i had probably lost myself over the you know over trying to find things to uh i guess take that um focus off the disappointment i had with the footy career stuff mm-hmm. and um work was was the next thing to kind of replace that and um you know i just kind of just kept putting layer on layer on on those things of like you know the disappointment stuff so i just try to find ways to get rid of that so so what, how did you change like what would you do to get back on track um find the love for footy again um, not take work home have a good balance what what, what did you start doing uh, uh probably in 2019 during that period of time at the start of the year i um i just started um trying to find hobbies so one of them was basketball so I just started playing basketball. Like I was obviously doing that for my little siblings and things like that. So I, I started doing that. Um, if I had a challenging day at work, I'd really look at listening to music. Um, so at the time, my way of like, like I created the switch, which is what I use for work or footy or anything like that to kind of get back to the now. Um, and I unknowingly did it during that 20 19 time until i probably really knew about that knowledge stuff around like you know disengaging and then just going to the now i like i like listen to r&b music and there was like certain artists that would like um would like just completely mellow me from work and just be like oh okay i'm gonna just go home now and just um after listening to that song i'll be like oh i'm sweet mm-hmm. you know, there was certain music certain tracks and things like that that um that would um help that and um really alleviate that pressure of taking work home and things like that so um i use certain little tools like that to try and just reconnect with the values that had been set for like from my family and myself and obviously re-engaging with my little siblings and my little family and um oh not my little family but like my family in general and then also my partner at the time as well like trying to do things with her because over that period of time like I know it affected me but it affected them a lot too because they had seen you know what I'd gone through the disappointment around that and everything like that and they were there like for the brunt of it pretty much so um like I think um I had to kind of draw back that draw on that and be like oh you know these like these people have been here for this like for this whole time yeah, it's, not, to, it's not just only you not all about you it's about your in a circle too yeah definitely and i think that's what i forgot during that period of time of the over those two three year period that like um you know i just thought it was just me doing it you know like experiencing all that trouble and those issues like my family as well had been a part of it they had seen you know all these disappointments and challenges as well as my heart my partner and uh, like even my little siblings were you know they see me as the role model so when they see me struggling they they were obviously anxious and nervous about me at that time too and i completely forgot that mm. you know what i was setting the standard for them as well as my family and things like that so um when i kind of 
drawn to the conclusion that I think this was the good thing about taking the break from the game was that I was able to really um, take notice of what had happened um, within my family from what was going on with me mm-hmm. and able to reflect on that and, and be like, okay, well, that was crap, but maybe I, you know, I can pay back to my family of what I, you know, what ha- they had gone through with me. I can kind of, you know, focus on them a bit. Um, and I think that was perfect to take away, like take that step away from the game because I was able to get that, so- like, you know, that solid foundation set again, get them to trust me again, that I'm able to, you know, able to balance my life again. Um, and uh, once they had that trust, I was like, okay, this is sweet. Like, you know, um, obviously these little things are adding up to me balancing my life out and I feel, I feel pretty good. So work um, was obviously the next focus. And then um, I was only playing like some fun footy at the time. I was playing with my uncles in like sixth grade rugby union. Like I played one or two games with them in 2019, but I was like, oh, it's pretty good to not play footy like seriously. Or maybe I'll just keep this. So <laughs> I had no plans of coming back. What, um, what brought you back? It was a it was a text message from Craig. Um, I was actually having a look back over the past couple of weeks to see, um, you know, when we were talking about this topic, like mm-hmm. what brought me back to playing, you know, this level of footy again. And um, it's funny. I think it was like the twentieth or twenty first of April in like twenty nineteen. Um, Craig texted me and said, "Oh, mate, um, like how's everything doing? How's how's life? Like he just wanted to check in because I tried to, um, like obviously I tried to go to Redcliffe." Um, during that period of time in 2018 when I was trying to like um, I guess find myself again about like you know do I want to play again or not and then I tried to go through to Redcliffe but they pulled up stumps and said no you're not ready we don't have any you know contracts here or anything like that so um, and that was like that was me done like there was no other clubs Um, but Craig was at Norse at the time Um, he was the assistant coach under Ron Smith and um when he texted me, I said, oh, look, I'm, I'm doing rehab because I was still doing rehab stuff. Um, I was still just trying to get that physical stuff right, but not for preparing for a game. It was just more just like, oh, you know, kind of like a little bit of a tick in the box for me physically because I was doing that off the field. Oh, well, off the field, but like in my own personal space with my family and stuff. And I thought, oh, I may as well carry that over to my physical space. So I was just doing like little rehab movements on my knees because obviously they had copped a bit. Um, over the past couple of seasons before that and it was just kind of ticking little boxes just physically stuff like physical stuff more for physical exercise and just having fun rather than the um, the actual professional aspect of the sport so um, he was like come down um, come have a training session with us and, and see how you go and um, I didn't reply for I think a good couple of days because I was like thinking I was like oh it's enticing to go back because I, I missed that but I was like oh I'm really enjoying life at the moment. Like, do I really want to go back and 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 feel that disappointment again if it happens? Mm. Um, and I had a chat with my parents during that time and my partner in the time, and I said, "Oh, what do you think? Like, do you think I should go back and and give it a go?" And um, my parents were like, "Yeah, do it. Like, go back because you 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 have never been yourself since you probably left." Which did you feel that? Yeah, in in certain periods of time, like, oh, well, at that time I said, no, I I didn't want to go back. Mm. Um, And they were right in in a way when they said that because, like, when I had left, I I wasn't probably, you know, ready for the move and things like that. So, um, 
when I took in that consideration of that stuff, I was like, no, nah, I don't want to go back. But then my partner started really kind of questioning and said, well, like, do you miss it? And I said, yeah, I do. Like, I do miss it. Like, I miss it a bit, but I'm enjoying life as it is. And she's like, well, just go and dip your foot in the pool and see how you go. And like, if you don't like it, just tell Craig, like, just that you don't want to take part in it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, all right. Well, I'll go down to this training session and see how it go. Um, and then I went the next week after that, I gave it a shot and I was like, oh yeah, it's fine. You know, enjoying it a little bit here, but I still probably wasn't ready to take that step into the ISC or anything like that. So I said to Craig at the time, I was like, oh, could I just take, like play reserve grade, um, which was a grade below the A grade. And he said, mate, if you do that, you're just, you're going to be lost. Like you'll just, you'll probably play a couple of games and then you, you won't want to play again. Because I know deep down, like somewhere in there, you still want to play. Like, why would you come here if you, you know, if you didn't want to, you know, eventuate to something more than just A grade. And that kind of resonated with me a little bit when I like left that training session. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's got a fair point. Maybe I should, um, you know, really think about it and, and actually play A grade for the rest of the year and see how it goes. So that 2019 season after like having a break from August till I didn't play my first game till June of a, like, like June 2019. So I had a good, good stint off and I had no preseason either. So I was pretty, I was ready in a way, I think mentally and emotionally, but physically like playing wise, like, and he managed my minutes really well when I started playing again, like just giving me a little bit of like 20 minute blocks here and there. Um, he did a great job at doing that because was it for Valleys? Yeah, it was for Valleys Diehard. So I kind of like did a reverse role in a way. Like I went all the way from starting at Valleys as a junior, yeah. went all the way through and I started back there again. Um, and then I started training again at Norse, um, which I think at the time Rowan was like not particularly supportive of because he knew how unstable I had been during those seasons. Mm. Um, he's a great people person. He picks up on those things a lot. And um, I think him and Craig had a couple of conversations about like, oh, I don't think he's ready to come back. And Craig's like, no, 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 I can get him ready. He'll be ready. And um, I'm like really appreciative of Craig in that space because he really supported me during that period of time because, you know, there's people that had doubts, which I totally understand. Mm. Um, and then... But he, he believed in you. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Craig believed in me to, you know, come back and play my best footy. And, and he did the, like, he did a great job at just um, giving me little bits you know, just um, improving week in, week out. Like um, there was times where like, you know, I was struggling a little bit too of just being back in that kind of semi-professional space because we were training with them, um, with North. So the A-grade clubs were attached to to their um, Q Cup clubs. So Valleys were fully attached to North. So we were training at North all the time. And at times I'll get a little bit anxious when I'd go to training. I think just around um, the expectations of playing semi like being in that environment, like kind of set me off a little bit. Mm. But Craig was really understandable and was like, mate, if you just need to take it easy or if you need to focus on work, just let me know. So when I had that support during that period of time, it really helped with transitioning back in. And I was having really good, um, like really good runs with um, the A grade. And I was um, like, Rowan started like buying into it a little bit. And then, like, around, like, July, August, like, Ron would message me every now and then and just touch base and be like, look, mate, you're, pu you're pushing pretty well. If you keep going the way you are, you might get a stint in, in um, IC. 
And I was like, oh, what the heck? Like, this is scary. Like, I got anxious again. And Craig's like, don't worry. Like, they got a solid squad. You probably won't play. And I was like, oh, like, that's a bit dirty. Like, <laughs> but, um, like, just having those enticements, that support during that period of time really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of like, it kind of resonates with the culture of North. Like, um, the coaching staff were really supportive during that period of time, just for me, but like across the entire squad. And I didn't really notice it until probably 2020, like how much they were involved in supporting their players personally off the field as well as on the field. Mm-hmm. And like with Craig obviously helping me on the field and off the field, I was like, wow, this is pretty good. Like this is a good support group, like support group around getting players back in. So, um, and that was really, um, really helping me play good footy. And then at the end of 2019, um, Rowan had contacted me at the end of the season and Troy Rovelli, who was the old CEO here, um, he had been the CEO for North for that year and he was, he's been the CEO all the way up till now, present. Um, they were like, oh, like, um, we want to sign you um, for 2020. And it's funny, um, I went into the, um, the, the dung out, the, the dugout, that's what they called it. This little, um, um, this little, uh, what's it called? Those little convertibles, compatible, oh, I don't even know. Yeah, the dungers. Dungers, that's it, yeah. yeah. Um, that's what Norse were using until they had built up their admin office, which is looking really flash. Um, I went in there and um, Troy Ravelli had the contract. And he said, when I was about to sign, he's like, mate, you, you're not going to disappear, are you? You're not just going to, you know. <laughs> go on your little venture again because like they had known obviously you know i just completely disengaged previously i said no no no, no. like i think I'm, I'm ready to go like this is like I, i'm back home this is this has been where i started you know a lot of my junior footy again so when i signed the contract i, I kind of said to myself i was like these guys have supported me i can't let that down yeah i'm committed yeah yeah and i think the love started from that point of that season like that 2019 the end of 2019 and signing that contract with north i was like i'm back home you know i'm starting to love the sport again um i've got a really good support group within the coaching staff and the playing squad is really good and then um we were going through pre-season in 2020 and then we i had a pretty good start like i was looking at probably playing isc majority of 2020 and then we played a trial game against Wyndham. And then I did my AC, which um, at the time they thought it was just a grade two. Um, but because of COVID during that period of time, I was just rehabbing and I was like, oh, I'll get through it, it'll be fine. Like I had a different mindset during that period of time, which really helped. Like I was, I was just thinking in the moment about like, you know, okay, what do I need to do to make sure that my shoulder's right, ready to go when I've done my AC? Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously been out for a couple of weeks before the season cancelled which kind of helped out too with the season being you know suspended because of COVID um, but I'd noticed there was a difference from previous years to this year oh well, that year in managing the injury like my processes were a lot more clearer there's a lot more support around in that rehab process and like I guess it came with age as well in those personal experiences with injuries I was able to be a little bit more mature about my approach with it so um it got to may 2020 at the end of like the proper lockdown in brizzy and i was like oh my shoulder's still kind of giving me grief i might go get scans and then a grade two turned into a grade five which was a complete rupture yeah so i was like i was like doing bench press handstands and everything like that like i was in 
April, May doing handstands and things like that, thinking like, oh, once the um, A-grade season comes back, I'll play. And then like, when I got to that point, I was like, holy heck, it's completely gone, it's ruptured. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but I think doing all that rehab process and kind of thankful I didn't get the scans until later, I knew like I had trusted my body to get through it. Um, and obviously, you know, physically it wasn't ready. You know, the complete rupture and everything like that. But I knew I'd rehabbed and, you know, stayed the course with it. Mm. And I really took... You knew you could do it. Yeah, yeah. took a lot of positives out of it because, you know, despite how bad it was on the scans, um, I had continued with the rehab process and I had gotten to the point where, like, you know, if I didn't play footy, I'm ready to do anything. Like, my shoulder's sweet. I'm benching 100 kilos. Like, it's sore, but it's okay. Yeah. So I ended up getting an uh, AC Rico in at the end of May and then um, Rowan and and a lot of the coaching staff like Brendan Wellington, who was a strength and conditioning coach at the time and Rhett Tronk as well. Um, they were real, or Rhett Copes um, and Tronky as well, who was the um, assistant coach for ISC at the time. Um, they kind of built this like little WhatsApp group just around me as a person um, and just about like the certain, um, you know, um, rehab processes and really how like held me accountable to what I was doing after the like surgery, which was quite a smart approach from a club. I had never experienced that before. So Rowan had created the group and um, he was like asking me like, oh, like whatever you do, like whether that's just walking or, you know, juggling one arm or anything like that, or like, you know, just little small things, put it in this WhatsApp group because then it will, you know, it will drive you for accountability around your approach to training and about rehab. And at the time, I was like, oh, this is different. I've never done, I've never experienced this before, but we'll try it anyway. So, like, you know, I'll go do, like, three days after my op, um, I, I started training again. Like, I was doing, like, like, little walks up behind, like, backwards up the hill because it would just hit my, like, quads, hits my knees and everything like that. Like, just building around that, just some solid foundation work stuff and just some, like, slant board things and things like that. Mm. And um, I'd do that often and I'd send the videos in the group chat and like Ron would like, you know, critique it, the, like the staff were critiquing it. But um, it was just something completely different. And it was like, like, like the support around that really drove me to want to get through this rehab process properly. Like I knew I had that already, but with that support, like I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like I'm, yeah, it's connection, yeah. it's instant, instant feedback. Mm, instant feedback yeah and everyone like no matter what hour it was at the night like and this is crazy like they would like like i'll send a video like eight or nine o'clock at night because sometimes i'd still have to go to work and still train later at night and um they would respond straight away like nine or ten o'clock and be like yeah that's good like or could you do it this way or that way and i was like yeah I can do that mm. so we it's built a positive dopamine hit mm, pretty much yeah dopamine hit and like yeah, probably 10 o'clock, but you're like, hey, this is awesome. It sets me up for the next day or two. Yeah. Um, so that, that really set me up for the rest of the, like, the rest of 2020 because I didn't play footy. I was still recovering from that AC Rico until I didn't partake in full training until halfway through preseason of 2021. Yeah. So 2020 block, like November, December, I signed another contract with Norse again. Like Rowan was really happy with the pro like the progress. Mm um of my rehab and stuff so he's like oh we'll sign like you know sign again yeah you know. so that's a good reward mm, mm. Yeah. and but, confidence in 
them having confidence in you and you having confidence in yourself to get through that injury, the setback again, and hopefully and set yourself up for a, another good season. And tell us about what's to come, mate. What's the season ahead uh, for the Cutters, um, season 2022? What do what are we expecting? Yeah, look, we've spoken as a leadership group and Dave's been a part of that as well. There's conversations just around what we want, you know, for us, for our, um, our goals for 2022. Um, obviously, our focus is getting through this block of preseason and we're doing we're doing really well and training pretty hard. Um, but um, obviously, Dave set that tone when he came in and had his, um, you know, his first say was that if we don't make the top eight, you know, we consider that season as, as a failure. So um, I think as a leadership group, we've really got to attach that to our drive of being, you know, competitive. And that's one of our ethics here is um, competitive, uh, compete to win. And obviously cutters over the past couple of seasons probably haven't had that drive yet. So, you know, what we're doing as a group and as a squad, and I think what I can bring to that, you know, to the squad from what, what my personal experiences are at Norse, you know, like playing a part of a team that won 17 games and lost three, you know, um, I think, from those personal experiences, I'll be able to bring that to the squad and be able to bring that to the leadership group and just um, add something to that. So um, we're taking it session by session, but you know, once we get to the season, it's it's all hands on deck. We've all got to be ready. Well, we're doing it right now, but we've, we've got to make sure that we're all set and ready to go. So um, everyone brings their own type of, um, you know, pers- like skill set to, to the squad. But I think what my drive is, obviously, over this period of, period of pre-season is just um, learning everyone's like you know their their personal tendencies around a squad and how they are as a person, and then obviously when, once we're on field, we want to be competitive and be competing, and that's what we're doing in the preseason block. Yeah, so we got uh, PNG Hunters round one here at BB Prince Stadium. Um, it's going to be a great game. Mm. You'll be shaping up in the front row. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah, yeah. So um, obviously PNG, they're a physical team. Um, they obviously had their struggles this year with transitioning over and living here um, away from family, which would have been a struggle. But, you know, with COVID the way it is and how we're going with our double vaccinations and fingers crossed that we can, you know, they can be at home and be able to transition properly and do that do that type of approach again, which they were doing in previous seasons, um, that will be shaping up to be a really tough game. And, um, you know, it's actually funny that PNG is probably one of the, the games, considering it's round one. They're they're um, they're one of the games that I circle on um, on the calendar as the most physical game. So we've got to be very physical. Um, it's a tendency that I probably like to work on a lot, um, being being physical within the middle. Um, so I think um, once it gets closer to kind of that you know game week, but we're building it obviously in the preseason as being competitive and and um, you know relentless. Um, as a middles and as a forwards group. So I think, um, you know, me as trying to be the leader as well with, you know, the support of um, Ross Bella and, and Brocky once he's able to partake in um, full training, that's what we want to be. We want to be, re- like, relentless and want a game to kind of start that against um, PNG. It'll be, there'll be definitely a lot of fireworks once we play this here and it's definitely, it's going to be in front of a home crowd and I'm sure it'll be, you know, the stadium and the seats will be filled, so... You know, I'm really excited for that, but for the moment time, we're just going to take it, you know, session by session, week by week, and we'll go from there. Yeah, awesome. Well, again, thanks, Yali. We're looking forward to watching this season, mate, and all the best. Cheers. Thank you. Appreciate it. Change the game. Proudly brought to you by the QCCS Mackay Cutters.